millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. Let's start out by thanking our Patreon contributors. They subscribed over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This past week, we had Catherine, Peggy, Kitty, Natasha, Karina, Justine, Jay, Emily, Jennifer, Daisy, Rose, Caitlin, Natalie, Aaron, Vanessa, Sarah, Casey, Selena, Anne, Tracy, Adam, Jay, Michelle, another Michelle, and Sven. Thanks, guys. Thank you all so much. Okay, Desi, this is part two of Missy Avila. If you haven't listened to part one, we did that last week, so... Go catch up. Go catch up on that. Now, my main source for this episode is a book called Missy's Murder by Karen Kingsbury. I also read a lot of old newspaper articles and watched a TV show, which we will get into later. Now, where we last left off, on October 4th of 1985, the body of a young girl was found face down in a creek and pinned underneath a log in the Angeles National Forest. A denim purse was found lying near the body and contained a comb, some lip balm, a compact, and a wallet. And inside the wallet was a high school ID, and it said Michelle Avila. Detective Catherine Scott was tasked with telling Irene Avila that her daughter Missy, who had sh- she had reported missing two days earlier, was found dead. Over a hundred students from Missy's high schools attended her funeral. Missy's favorite song, Lady Starlight by the Scorpions, was played. Oh, my God. I had never heard the song before, so I had to listen to it. It is very ballad from an 80s hair band. Yes. It made me really sad, though, because I'm like, this is like a teenager's favorite song. Especially from that era, hair metal was so big. Oh, my God. Like, everyone loved hair metal. Yeah, and I can just imagine that. Like her, like loving, like oh, this is so beautiful. I don't know that I know that song. I li- I like know their hits, like yeah. Winds of Change, right? <laughs> and <laughs> which is also rocky a, like a hurricane. Yeah, Winds of Change is also like a power ba- ballad type. Yeah. yeah. So this was also a song that Missy had even requested be played at her own funeral. <gasps> oh my gosh! Like it was, she loved the song that much. This was a request, obviously that. Her mom found very morbid at the yeah. time. Like, don't don't even say that. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, her mom remembered, and she said, Aww. "We have to play the song." Yeah. Among the funeral guests were Laura Doyle and Karen Severson. Karen comforted Irene Avila and broke down into sobs, saying how devastated she was that her best friend Missy was gone. Detective Scott interviewed Laura Doyle about her last moments with Missy. Laura told the same story that she had told Irene Avila, that after she had picked up Missy at 3 p.m. from her house, they drove to Stonehurst Park. There, Missy saw some boys that she knew standing around a blue Camaro. Missy said that she wanted to talk to them, so Laura pulled up and let Missy out. 
Then she said she was going to go get gas and that when she returned, it would be very soon, she'd pick Missy back up. But when she got back to the park, Missy and the boys were gone. Laura left the park, assuming that Missy had gone somewhere with them. Then she called Irene at 6 p.m. to ask where Missy was. And that's when Irene was like, uh... She's with you. She's with you. Laura was unable to provide additional details, like a plate number or even a description of the boys. She couldn't even tell the detective what these boys looked like. Right. At this point, the persons of interest were these boys. Oh, interesting. Like, th- that was all the detectives had to go on. Okay, if this girl says she met some guys who were standing around a Camaro, those were, she got in their car. Right. It makes sense. That's, that's who we're looking for. So detectives compiled a list of every single Camaro registered in California. Oh, damn. And I assume there were <laughs> a lot. At that time, too? Yeah. yeah. Because Laura didn't even know what year the Camaro was either. So it was like everything for the last 30 years or whatever they were looking for. One detail about the case didn't fit the profile of male killers though, which was the fact that Missy's hair had been cut. (gasps) To Detective Scott, this method of humiliation seemed like it would have been the work of a female killer. Right. There was no sexual assault, but there was still like a degrading... Thing that was done to Missy. It's almost like that could have been something done first in like a fight. And it was done first. Yeah. Because but, but like, but like, and maybe it escalated. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. Because if you don't remember from last week, they found like clumps of hair that had been cut lying on a boulder right. by the side of the creek that were And dry. it wasn't like hair that came off during like a head being bashed or something. It was hair that had been cut. So Detective Scott surmised also that it was possible Missy was killed by the boys in the Camaro and that the hair cutting was done by one of their girlfriends. She thought, okay, maybe a girl was there when this happened. Uh, Also, the hair cutting was the one detail that investigators kept hidden from the press and from the Avila's which is a method detectives use right. to weed out false confessions. false confessions. So Irene called Detective Scott to let her know that Missy's best friend, Karen Severson, had called her and said, my daughter Andrea had a dream last night and she told me about who killed Missy. Oh. Now, Andrea wasn't even three years old. Wait, this is... This is um. I'm sorry, what's Karen. her name? Karen's like sister? Daughter. Oh, daughter. Oh, the daughter. Remember, the daughter. A, right, 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 right. Karen got pregnant, had a kid. Right, right. I so completely Karen, forgot. Karen has this like two and a half year old daughter. I see. So Karen calls Missy's mom and is like, my daughter had a dream and she told me who killed Missy. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is worse than when people go on Twitter and make up things about their kid that their kids said. Right, right, right. This is like even more demented. Mommy. Than, <laughs> <laughs> the Batman, <laughs> just like, like yeah. What two and a half year old even has that kind of like language? They don't, <laughs> or they they wouldn't even know what murder is, right? Or kill, like it's insane. So Karen said that her daughter said Christy Crawford killed Missy. 
Now, Christy Crawford, not her real name, but that was a longtime friend of Missy's. And that's what Aunt little two-and-a-half-year-old Andrea pulled this name out of her ass. Misty Crawford. <laughs> and that's what she said. Uh, Karen was called to the station to be interviewed where she tearfully gave her statement to the police about her daughter's dream. I, I have to say, I've never heard of someone taking suspicion off themselves by saying their daughter had a dream of the real killer's name. Like, it's unbelievable yeah it's really unbelievable because it's actually very suspicious yeah (laughs) yeah like and naughty and even just the fact that she said it was a dream and not just my daughter came up and said this to me like there's just so many layers to how like right how demented this is so karen had inserted herself into the investigation at this point she helped the avila family come up with possible leads as to who killed missy she even moved into the avila home with her daughter Oh, shit. She slept in Missy's bed. She even wore some of her clothes that fit. And there were other friends of Missy's who were at the Avila home, too, frequently offering comfort and possible leads. So Karen had sort of, like, gathered everyone together, like, we're going to solve this case. We're in the friend group trying to solve this. Yeah. Yeah, and Karen's sort of taken on this role, or she's trying to take on this role as, like, you know, um, daughter... The daughter figure. The daughter yeah. figure to Irene. And she's... And she was really close because she stayed uh, there a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. She was Missy's best friend since they were seven years old. And now she's like leading this group of kids to discover who the who the killer is. Right. And Karen would always... But she's the original OJ. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know who really did it. So the only friend of Missy's who didn't make an appearance at the Avila home was Laura Doyle. But Laura Doyle did send Irene a card expressing sympathy, sympathy, and inside the card she put a $20 bill. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Like it's like it's a not birthday, a birthday. <laughs> like it's your grandma sending you a birthday card. Laura's absence from the Avila home was explained away by the fact that she was the last person who was seen with Missy and she probably just felt extreme guilt over that. So that's why people were like, "Okay, yeah, she wants to wallow away in her guilt. Yeah. One night, Karen insisted that a small group, including Missy's brother, go up to the site of Missy's murder to go look for clues. And she suggested this, like, at night. She's like, we need to go up there. Yeah. Get the flashlights, guys. Get the magnifying glass. Get the fingerprint duster kit. Get my little Sherlock Holmes hat. (laughs) Like, what are they doing? I don't know. Uh, she even brought her young daughter, Andrea. Well, Andrea knows. Things. Right. And, Andrea knows. She's a She savant. had a dream. She had a dream. So she could point them. She could be like, I smell something. Yeah. I feel it. Now, this is around 10 p.m. that they're going up to. That sounds scary. Yeah. They're going up to, into the Angeles National Forest. No way. One girl who came along with them recalled Andrea crying out, Missy's in the water. Jesus Christ. How much did Karen tell her? That's what I'm thinking. This is like child abuse. Like Karen must have told her so much shit. Yeah. Then they went, uh, they left eventually. Yeah. And Karen's like, well, we need to come back tomorrow. So they went back in the daytime, oh which God. is like slightly less stupid. Yeah. Karen brought Andrea again. And then Karen just was creeping everyone out up here because she started doing kind of like a psychic thing when they were up there. Like, Ugh. I feel it over here. And like 
she was getting really emotional in a way that was like very performative. She started crying and hugging a rock. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's weird. It was a mess. Like she literally said, I can, she went over to this boulder and she was like, I can feel it right here. This is where Missy died. Ugh. And people were like, let's, let's get Why out of here. Not? <laughs> <laughs> so then the group spotted a tree that had the word that had words carved into it. And they're like, what's on that tree? And on the tree, it said Jimmy and Karen, 1985. Now, Jimmy, if you don't remember, was the guy that Karen accused Missy of stealing away from her right. when Missy was not interested in him at all. Right, because he had liked her for a long time. And he's the one who whispered to her, right? Yes. I still like you. Yes, yeah. exactly. So the group is like, hey, what's this carved on the tree? It says Jimmy and Karen, 1985. There was another carving on the same tree that said Karen and Missy, friends forever. And the carvings with the names were kind of old, but they had fresh scratches on them as if someone had scratched them out, like oh. put a line through them. Hmm. And Missy's brother, Mark, looked at these carvings and was like, uh, have you been here before, Karen? I mean, that's what we're all thinking. Because <laughs> your name is on this tree. It says Karen and Jimmy. Right. So this isn't some isolated spot that she didn't know about until Missy was found there. She's she comes here regularly, probably. Right. They're yeah. like, have you been to this site? How did wow? You... She really told on herself. <laughs> they were like, how did you know about this spot yeah. in the Angeles? Your fucking name is on that tree. That's crazy. And Karen, of course, was adamant that she had not been there, but she was sure that Missy had because she liked to party, and that was a party spot. And Missy had been there partying with friends. Then she motioned over to the carving and said, that said Jimmy and Karen. And she was like, well, it's obvious Jimmy's been here too. Because look, he wrote his name on the tree. Yeah, that seems like a move Jimmy would do. <laughs> <laughs> Not Karen. Yeah. <laughs> and then she said, oh, I bet Jimmy killed Missy. Oh. So little light bulb went off in her head. Perfect opportunity. Right. To, to, to deflect to Jimmy. To now. deflect to Jimmy. The others pondered the idea, which was plausible considering Jimmy's longtime feelings for Missy were never reciprocated. So it wasn't completely out of the ordinary. Not that he was a bad guy or anything. It just, it wasn't like a ridiculous suggestion. But he wouldn't, why would both of them go up there together and both put on the tree their name with um, Karen? (laughs) I'm just saying that's the flaw. Look, there's a lot of flaws. So Karen called Jimmy one day and told him, Jimmy, we all know what happened. I'm at Missy's house and we all know you killed her. And Jimmy was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So word around town spread fast. Karen like told everyone, I think Jimmy did it. And she kind of riled people up about this. She's like, forget Missy Crawford. Christy Crawford. Christy, Christy Crawford. <laughs> was, by the way, that's a name the author came up with. I don't know right. her real it name. It just sounds right, though, Misty? for the period. Yes. Yeah. You don't see a lot of Misties anymore. No, it's very 80s. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, everyone in Arlita is convinced that Jimmy did it. Oh. And people are looking for someone to blame. Everyone is like grieving and in a lot of pain, and this is really scary. And I think, I think there's still that... like impulse to always blame a man and not think women or teen girls would do something like this. Yes. This seems a lot more plausible. So because of these rumors, Jimmy was in trouble Yeah, at this point. I mean, 
people were vandalizing his car. Oh shit. Uh a week later, after Karen made the, made up this accusation, she called Jimmy up at work and invited him to go to a party to help quash the rumors. She was like, just come to the party with me. People will see, like, I'm with you. You're yeah. okay. Come to the party. And Jimmy was reluctant. He was like, why, why did you tell people I killed Missy? Like, yeah. Why would you do that? But he agreed to go because he just didn't know what to do at that point. So at the party, Victor Amaya was there, and Victor Amaya was really close with Missy. They That's the boyfriend of Laura. That was Laura's boyfriend, yeah. and him and Missy used to sleep, Be, sleep together. Yeah. But they, they were friends with benefits. Exactly. Yeah. So Victor Amaya loved Missy, obviously, and he confronted Jimmy immediately and was like, let's go, pal. Whoa. Like, I mean, he saw him and he saw Red. So he approached Jimmy with a group of guys and he smashed a beer bottle over his head. (gasps) Karen looked at Jimmy smiling and she said to him, you were a fool for coming, Jimmy, a fool. Damn. She lured him to that party. Everyone at the party believed Karen's story that Jimmy had done it. Victor beat the shit out of Jimmy that night. So he wound up in the hospital with a concussion and a broken rib. And Jimmy was too afraid to press charges. Like, he was really afraid for his life at this point. He just wanted it all to go away. Karen, however, was furious that Jimmy wasn't dead. (gasps) She had really hoped that people would... She really hoped people would beat him to death at that party. And then the thing would... Everything would just drop. Because they'd be like, oh, he killed her and now he's dead. Exactly. She called on Victor and another guy named Brian to urge them to finish the job. She was adamant at this point that they actually get rid of him. Damn. This time, the guys would use guns. She organized a group meeting at the Avila house. At the meeting was Missy's brother, Mark, and his wife. The plan was to follow Jimmy home from work and kill him. She wanted Victor and Brian to cut off his pinky and show it to her as proof that he was dead. What is she fucking Tony Soprano? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Jesus. Because she also suggested dissolving or obscuring his face in acid so he couldn't be identified or something. Why is everyone listening to her? I thought she was unpopular. (laughs) Well, I'm literally just about to say it was really easy for Karen to take advantage of everyone's grief. Right. To get what she wanted. Yeah. I mean, these are kids who are like beside themselves. Yeah. That their friend and... So she's manipulating them. She's totally manipulating everyone's pain. Uh, and they're desperate to, to find a suspect. Yeah. But Victor and Brian could not go through with it. Thank God. Yeah. They didn't ruin their lives and kill somebody. As much pain as Victor was in, he just couldn't kill Jimmy. In fact... Everyone except Karen, of course, was relieved that the guys didn't go through with it. Yeah. And and Karen had even like dragged Irene into it at this <gasps> point. And Irene was like, please, you guys stop. Let the cops do their job. Like, don't hurt yeah. anybody. Like, poor Irene. She's like trying to grieve her daughter's death. Right. And she's also trying to stop this murder from but ruining all these lives. She should yeah. not be having to deal with these things. Yeah. And especially while she's grieving. No, it's, it's sick. It's really sick. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. By the summer of 1986, detectives were no closer in finding a suspect. The case seemed to be growing cold. Every person Detective Scott interviewed was a dead end. Irene Avila still dutifully called the detectives asking if they had any new leads, but they had nothing. Karen had stopped calling Jimmy the murderer at this point, but she continued tossing out a variety of different suspects, okay. like kids that they knew. Like, yeah. this person could have done it. That and person. are people suspicious of this yet? Right. <laughs> she just like, keeps, how about this guy? How about yeah. you, Karen? So the rumors she spread made these hypothetical suspects' lives miserable. Yeah. So she's destroying people's lives. Without the same. a care in the world. No, yeah. and because like anytime you hear a rumor, especially when you're like a teenager, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, even worse, like I said before, Karen is dragging Irene into all of this and she's getting Irene's hopes up that she has a idea. A lead. lead. Yeah. 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 So she's telling Irene, well, maybe it's this person. And Irene's like, yeah, find them. Like who really do what information do you have? Um, in the fall, right before the one year anniversary of Missy's murder, Karen began beauty school. She had moved back home, but she still spent a lot of time at the Avila house. 
One of the other girls at school would recall Karen telling her all about how her best friend was murdered, and she seemed to almost be boasting about it. (gasps) Like, she meets this girl at beauty school, and they kind of, for some reason it comes up, the girl's talking, she's like, oh, my sister died, she committed suicide, and Karen's like, my best friend was murdered. Like, she's one-upping her. And then sort oh, of... Oh, really? Well, my best friend was murdered. <laughs> That's yeah. like literally what she did. And, yeah. And it's now it's like her cool fact or something. And she yeah. was kind of using it as like this like badge of honor that she had a friend who was murdered. Yeah. And also to get sympathy because we know this girl likes to get any sympathy she can get. Right. So Karen even bragged to this girl. They even interviewed me for the paper. Wow. <laughs> the Arletta News. <laughs> In September of 1987, nearly two years after Missy's murder, Irene Avila got a phone call from Karen. Karen was like, Laura Doyle finally told the truth. Laura Doyle had been interviewed several times by detectives, and her story about Missy and the boys in the blue Camaro never changed. Laura's story was very vague, but she told it the exact same way every time she did which was something that made detectives suspicious that she was lying because it sounded scripted. Right. She never remembered additional details or even had any details. It was just... Or forgot things. Yeah. Yeah. It was just this very vague... Planned seeming. That's it. Saw some boys at a Camaro, don't know what they look like, don't know their names, that's it. So Karen told Irene that she would bring Laura over so she could tell Irene what really happened. At the Avila house, Laura told a new tale. She said she didn't actually go with Missy to Stonehurst Park that afternoon. Instead, she dropped Missy off at a church parking lot in the city so she could meet a guy who would pick her up. Laura said that Missy told her not to wait up for her, and so Laura left. Irene was disappointed at this new information. It wasn't any less vague or mysterious than the story about the Camaro and the boys. Also, why wouldn't you have just told that story? What did it matter? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Laura told Irene that she kept this information from her for the last two years because she was afraid that she'd be mad that her and Missy left the valley and went into the city. Okay. She's like, I didn't want you to know we went downtown to downtown LA and um, that she was, you know, meeting some boy. Okay. I'm going to have questions later, it's, though, it, why she changed it. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, all right, we have to go to the station, and you need to tell them this story. So they drove to the police station, and Laura was interviewed again by detectives. Laura added new, t- new details this time to her story. She said that the church she dropped Missy off at was Grace Brethren Community Church in downtown L.A., and that Missy was meeting a drug dealer that she owed $500 to. Ooh. Less than two weeks after her statement to detectives, Laura checked into rehab. Her drinking and drug use had gotten significantly worse since Missy's murder. Upon checking out of rehab, she relapsed. Meanwhile, detectives were not having any luck gathering new leads with Laura's new story than they were her original story. This wasn't any more of a helpful... It's just another vague story. Exactly. Karen Severson seemed just as obsessed with Missy's murder as ever. By 1988, she was still making frequent trips to Missy's gravesite and taking her friend from beauty school with her. So she's taking this girl and she's like, let's go to the grave. 
I do this all the time. I'm just a good friend. (laughs) (laughs) She even asked her if she wanted to go with her to Missy's murder site. But the friend was like, nah, that's a bridge too far. It says Karen plus Jimmy on a tree. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Karen was also hellbent on getting Laura to fess up about what really happened with Missy that day. She claimed Laura was still hiding something. In the summer of 1988, the case was finally broken wide open when a girl named Ava Chirambolo got in touch with detectives and said that she was a witness to Missy's murder. (gasps) Detective Catherine Scott was like fucking scrambling to get over to this girl's apartment. She's like, oh my God. Yeah. It's been three years. She rushes over to this girl Ava's apartment And Ava had spent nearly three years in agony knowing what she knew. But she didn't come forward because she said she was afraid of the killers. Ava told Detective Scott that she went to Stonehurst Park with Karen Severson on October 1st, 1985. There at the park, Missy and Laura arrived. At the park, Laura and Karen began fighting with each other. Then, Laura and Missy left in Laura's car, and they drove up to Camp Colby in the Angeles National Forest. Karen and Ava followed them in their car. When they reached the site, Laura and Karen told Missy that they weren't really mad at each other. They were just like pretend fighting to get her up there. They were actually mad at Missy. Then they started accusing her of like sleeping with their boyfriends that the whole thing that they were mad at her in right. the first place, that they were accusing her of these things that she never did. Missy's like, I never did these things. I don't know what, like, yeah. What do you tell? Like, how? I, why won't you just trust me? Like, I didn't do this. Ava's like, wait, what am I doing? Here? <laughs> yeah, basically, Ava continued telling Detective Scott that the girls started calling Missy names and yelling at her, and then she said. They beat Missy up and cut off her hair before pushing her in the water. Detective Scott knew that Ava was telling the truth because no one except the police knew about the haircutting detail. Yeah. And Ava mentioned that. She's like, then they cut her hair off. The next day, on July 27th, 1988, Karen Severson and Laura Doyle were arrested for the murder of Missy Avila. At the station... Karen screamed that it was all Laura's idea and that she was just too afraid to stop her. Laura told detectives that Karen made her do it. She said that Ava was there, but she didn't do anything to Missy and she had run back to her car before she was dead. Both Karen and Laura were held without bail until their trial. The trial began in January of 1990, and despite being 17 when the crime was committed, they were both tried as adults. The defense's strategy was to point the blame at Ava, who was the witness, and claim that, no, she's the real killer. Why are we prosecuting them? I'm just so baffled that they brought this other girl with them. I have no idea what their motive for doing that. Maybe they thought they would have extra muscle. I don't know. It's so wild to me. Like Maybe this girl had a car and Karen... I, I don't know. Do we know... At this point, what Missy's cause of death was? Was it blunt voice first trauma? Or? It was uh, drowning. Oh, so it, she when they beat her up, they knocked her out and she drowned in the water? And they put, a, they put a log over her. So she couldn't get up. So she couldn't get up. She was a very petite girl. They put a 100-pound log over her. So this is her. not we beat her up and she accidentally drowned. They no. intentionally did that at they the end. Both, yeah. And this log was heavy. It took, yeah. they, that's why they initially thought it was like 
a guy who did it right? because it was a big-ass log or they also were like it had to be either a strong man or... Two people. Two people, at least, who did this because they found the log and she was submerged. And it was a very shallow creek. It was like eight inches of water. Right, but she was probably knocked out. Yes. And then when they put that on her... Yes. uh, Yeah. Irene... Avila gave an emotional testimony. She said that Karen had approached her at Missy's funeral and told her that she would always stick by her and never let her down. She also said, quote, I know in my heart that from the moment Laura Doyle picked up my daughter, picked up my daughter Missy from my home, that Karen and Laura had already planned to murder her. Laura Doyle and Karen Severson were found guilty of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. Well, Karen was released from prison in 2011, and Laura was released in 2012. And in 2015, Karen Severson made headlines again when the Avila family filed a lawsuit against her. That previ- the previous year, in 2014, Karen was hawking a book that she had written about the case and about her life in prison. <gasps> It was like, here's my side yeah. of the story. My side of the story. And here's <laughs> yeah. my mem. It's like a yeah. memoir. Right, and that's against the law. Well, right? at the time it wasn't. Oh, shit. So Irene was obviously furious that Karen was going to be profiting off a murder right. she committed. And it wasn't just the Avila family who was outraged. People took to Facebook after ABC News ran an interview with Karen in 2014 to promote her book and... You know, they were these people on Facebook, like, were commenting on this news clip and they were like, fuck her. Like, no, she's how dare everyone she? hates her. People were in an uproar about this. And I watched this interview from 2014 on ABC News and it's deranged, Desi. Like, she, she's very put upon. She's very, like, all these things happen to me. Right. And, like, boo, like, she's blubbering in a lot of it, but she's also a bitch. To Missy, I still. hate Karen, she's, and I always have. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's awful. She, um, in the interview, Karen's talking about the claims that Missy was sleeping with people's boyfriends, and she says, "quote She knows she did it, but not one time did she say she was sorry." Honestly, these girls from high school who are obsessed with people sleeping with their boyfriends are like the most annoying girls. I'm sorry. Like, it's just like, so what? You're all in high school. None of you guys are staying together. Like, it's just like, do you know that type of girl who was just always worried everyone was out to get her boyfriend? It's, yeah. It's just like a, it's like no one wants him. And that she's in her 40s at this point and she's still raging about how the girl that she murdered. It doesn't even like, matter if it's true. No. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no, she's like still raging about this and she's raging about the fact and Missy didn't even say she was sorry. She knows what she did. Like she's victim blaming the person she murdered <laughs> in this ugh. interview. And she's like trying to sell her book. It's like she's not doing a very good job being promotional. She has... There's, right. There's no contrition at all. She is blubbering, but... Every, no, pretend you were born again or like something. Like <laughs> No, she doesn't even... Like even when she admits that what she did was wrong, it's very much like, and I have to live with that. Like, yeah, it's all about her. Well, it's like, yeah, you do. You have to live with that. (laughs) Right. So she's like, I mean, I can show you a clip. It's, it's insane. So Karen, the guy who um, is interviewing her is like, 
So you feel okay making money off of this book about how you killed your best friend? And she says, well, I got to eat. Like, she's like... <laughs> and she's Do like, you, Karen? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I got to... Um, she's like... I got to eat, you know, I got to, I got to live. And she's like, I am donating a portion of it to an, an anti-bullying campaign. And is that guy, what she thinks she did? <laughs> bullying? Yeah. <laughs> she said, look, we were bullies. It got out of hand. I pushed her. The, like she's very, she's very much like trying to minimize her. She hasn't learned her lesson at all. Uh, no, not at all. And like, I don't care. She can earn money other ways. You don't have to write the book. Well, according to Karen, she doesn't think she can earn money other ways. She, um, she, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it's, it's deranged. So she, uh, she also was working as a telemarketer at the time of that interview. So she did have a job. Right. Um, but, I mean, I feel like hopefully no one would buy her book anyway. Well, I think the I, the book was like ultimately canceled. Oh, good. Um, no and one, she's still alive, so she must have eaten. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, then Missy's sister-in-law, Siobhan, told ABC News, quote, it's almost as if we're fighting for Missy's life all over again. So at this point, Karen is re-traumatizing the Avila family yeah. all over. Because they have to see this bitch who killed their... Daughter, sister, yeah, uh, all over the news, hawking this bullshit book she has with a really creepy cover of the book. It's like very like scary looking, and she's alive, and she's alive. And why is she out of jail? First of all, and she's crying about how hard um, things are for her emotionally. These people just don't know. It's like you got out of jail, go away forever, you lucky bitch. Like, yeah, like, you should be in jail for life for just, killing someone. Like, just go live your life and like be quiet. That's like, all you have to do. Just, no one, none of us would ever even think about you. No. Yeah. So um, the Avila family then called for legislation that would protect victims of crimes from a criminal profiting off that crime. And the following year, Missy's Law was passed in California, which required publishers to contact victims and their family members if they were uh, if about releasing works in which these people were profiting off a crime. Right. I I thought that a law existed already, like the Son of Sam law, but maybe not in California. In California, it did exist, but it was repealed. Oh, okay. uh, At some point. So it was reinstated with the name Missy's Law. Got it. In 2015. Well, in 2014, Karen went on Dr. Phil. Oh, boy. He loves drama. Dude, he is so messy. Why would you have this woman on your show? Right. Because he wants to berate her. Yeah, and he doesn't even do a good job of it. Really? Well, I just mean he's so... He's so... He's so Dr. Phil. Like, I mean, it's not like... I just feel like he's the wrong messenger for everything. Right. Like, he... he, he I mean, he bas- he does berate her, yeah. but it's not... At least from the one clip that I saw, it was not like this as satisfying. He's more just like... You killed your best friend. Right. How do you, can you do a Dr. Phil? Uh, no, I don't think you I kill, ever have. You, so you're saying you killed your best friend. Yeah. You put her under a log. How do you, and you're making a book. Yeah. You want him to be like, call her on her bullshit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe he does in more of the interview. I want him to mock her when she's crying. <laughs> and she does cry throughout this entire interview. She goes on to give this whole sob story about how sad she was that she killed her best friend. 
And she's like, I killed her. I'm so sad about it. It's not really, uh, it's, I don't buy it. She's sad what happened to her. Yeah. She's, she's sad she's facing consequences. She, I think she might be a sociopath. Like I just, just given her behavior since day one. Here's who I feel bad for. It's like if it's like five-year-old kid who like accidentally shoots his mom or something like because a parent left a gun out. Like that's a person I'll buy. <laughs> it's of course. kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like she intentionally did this and never felt bad about it, lied about it for years, accused other people. Tormented the whole town. Yeah. She, it's just like this is not a person who is sorry. No. And no one believes her because it's not true. No. I mean, she. I, it is wild to me how the detectives never caught on to Karen as a suspect. That's what I was thinking, like three years? like, And she's like distracting so odd. It's like after the 10th false alarm, weren't you like, well, why is she always like, look in the mirror? Right, like why is she, why is this one girl always accusing everyone else? Like, I, It's she, crazy to me. And she's, in, I mean, she's done all the Hallmark things too. She's inserted herself into the case. She is the best friend. Like she's the closest. She's acting like she's sol- trying to solve it. Like, yeah, I, I think like also this is a case I feel like they should have come up on Laura and Karen within weeks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It like, just doesn't make They're two idiot teenage girls like who had motives. Yeah. I'm just I'm so shocked. No, I, I don't know what was going on because like the book that I read at least detailed a lot of stuff about the detectives processes and all they kept doing was following these leads that Laura would told them, but they well, never looked into her personal relationships and like what was going, because Irene knew about the, I mean, Missy told Irene everything. Right. No, I'm sh- I was shocked when you were saying like a year later and two years later, I was like, why weren't they one of the first people brought in? Like every close friend should have been brought in. I mean, they were interviewed, but they were never people of interest. Yeah. It, I just find that wild. And like maybe it's like, okay, after the fact, like whatever you're, but like it's still, it just seems weird. Yeah. Just knowing that they have history together and that there was like, um, you know, is, don't they usually ask like, is there anyone who would have wanted to harm your daughter or whatever? I'm also baffled by Ava. Well, in the book, it said that Ava had up and moved to Las Vegas at one point because she was so tormented at harboring this dark secret. And then she got a call from her older brother who was a cop. And the brother said that her younger brother had committed suicide and she was so distraught by that. She drove back to LA and confessed to her brother who worked as a policeman. I see. And then they brought her in. Yeah. Um, but, and also Ava had told her boyfriend too. So that he, he knew um, yeah, but she had just kept the secret until it like festered away at her. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm shocked she kept it that long. Yeah, because I would just be like, well, I gotta tell, so then they'll go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she thought she could be implicated because she didn't do anything to stop it, but she didn't. She didn't know that Missy was dead until after she got back in the car with Karen and Laura or whatever. Right, and Karen was like, "We did it. We killed her." Because because after they started beating up Missy, she ran away. Yeah, and went back to her car. Yeah, I yeah, don't so know. So she maybe felt guilty, uh, and maybe she did think she'd be implicated. Yeah, and honestly, like she could have been implicated, right? I think. 
uh, that I don't think, I think she still should have said something sooner, but like, yeah, uh, definitely I can picture why she would be scared. I mean, I just feel so bad for the family. They're like, they've just been re-victimized so many times. Well, if I was Ava, I would have been like low key, like, you know what I mean? Like not do it officially, but I would have started spreading the rumors about right. them. Like, put it back on Karen. Yeah. 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 I mean, after she literally got someone put in the hospital. Yeah. It's crazy. Just like demonic. And she's, yeah. So Karen's still out there. She's still alive. Uh, no one bought her book. It was like taken off Amazon or something. Um, Good. Yeah. Who wants to, who fucking wants to read your stupid Who's book? buying that? No one. No, no. Unless and, they think it's about something, they don't realize it's the killer or something. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess it was. She was trying to make it like her redemption, right? Book or just like I said in every interview I've seen with her as an adult, she's boohooing, and the way she frames it is very much like this all happened to me. Yeah. No one. No one cares, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now, yeah. Karen. <laughs> so yeah, that's the. Very sad story of Missy Avila. And did you get a chance to watch the TV movie? I watched some clips of it this okay. week. It's very early 90s. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen in peak Kelly Kapowski era. Is she Missy? She's Missy. Okay. And and it, from the clips that I watched, it's very close to... I mean, the names are different, but it's right. very much exactly... Looked like exactly what happened. And what about Laura? Do we know what she's up to? She... Nothing. I saw a picture of her, a more current picture of her from when I think she was still in prison. She was like a, in a prison pen pal program. I think Laura has just remained low-key. Laura yeah. had a lot of demons, obviously. Um, she doesn't didn't seem like the type to seek out the spotlight like Karen yes. did. So. No, I, they seem like different... They had different reasons for doing it, almost. Yes. Uh, um, and also, uh, Laura had drug and alcohol problems at the time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she still does, but um, yeah, Karen seemed to be like the ringleader, I would say, yeah. out of the two of them. I hate her. She's awful. I just don't. I hate that type of person. Like, yeah. She's just no remorse. So uh, we'll post some pictures on our Instagram. Okay. And we will see you all for the mini episode on Friday. Well, also wanted to thank everyone who showed up for our Spotify Green Room episode tonight on Lula Rich yes. with Cara Berry from Everyone's Business But Mine. Yes. And that was really fun. That was really fun. Very fun. And I wanted to give a plug to our Patreon because we have, I saw today we have 182 episodes yeah. up there. Yeah. So there's a lot of content available there and they range from... 30-minute episodes to hour-long episodes. There's just a ton of stuff. We do porn parody reviews. <laughs> we one, do after-school specials. One of our most popular Patreon episodes is a is a review, a recap of a porn parody of The Wizard of Oz. It's good. That's an old one. That's like from 2018. We just re-listened to that one. But anyways, for just $5, you would have access to most of those instantly. Yes. Uh, And then for $10, there's more stuff that you would have access to instantly. So you can start listening to it all right away. Yeah. So we just wanted to give a shout out to that because it's not just giving us money for the show we already do this show. Yeah. But it's you get more stuff. Yeah. So we wouldn't we wouldn't make you uh, or have you subscribe to something then not get something out of it. 
Yeah. So you get a lot of stuff. And we do an after show after each main episode that goes up there. We're also posting our Spotify Green Room recordings there as well as another perk. So yeah, if you just c- giving you a plug to what all the things you get there, which is, I, and people like it. Yeah. I People have told us it's people the best have, content. People have told us <laughs> it's worth the $5 a month. And for me to hear that, I'm very flattered. Thank yeah. you. So just wanted to give it a shout out. Thank you guys so much yes. for everything. Thanks, and thanks for supporting the show. And we'll see you Friday. Bye. Bye. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.